According to Bloomberg, a new study finds millennials are the biggest audio generation, listening to more content than all others. More types, more times. But did you know that people who listen to podcasts are 50% smarter than everyone else? Turn off the radio. Listen to podcasts, the top form podcast by me, Jarrah Watkiss, available on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Good evening, boss. Good evening, studio mix as usual. How are you doing, man? How are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing to keep keep up your vibes during this time? We just work, because um, my studio's at home. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm blessed to always have work. So right now I'm mixing an album for an African artist named Meta. Just um, two days ago, I finished mixing a Grammy performance with Toots, a, a vir virtual thing. But that's always working. So, I you know, it's, it's like I'm always home. Then set a quarantine. I always sell quarantine anyway, <laughs> except for the gym. Before they sell it for quarantine. Quite, me, my nickname is Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's all this quarantine? You have like a routine, something that you in, in your quarantine, your daily life. You you seem very healthy. I know you work out. What's your daily routine like? My daily routine is to wake up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, come back from the gym, feed my dogs. I have some I have a pond with some fishes and things, feed my fishes, so I take care of my animals. And then I get ready and come downstairs and come in the studio, work. Then go to bed and do it all over again. What's your, what's your, your that's interesting. I didn't know that you have, I didn't know that you have animals and stuff. Cause I never, I mean, you're not going to see the animals on the road, but what's your, what's your take on, on, having a pet people do music and do it well always have some kind of a, a soft spot for pets and animals what is that part of your thing well one of the biggest thing for me is say you say a dog i like dogs you say a dog a dog you them say dogs a man's best friend that is not that just talk your dog is really a best friend your dog your dog not business if you're rich, poor, black, white, if you smell bad, whatever. From his your dog, him is right there. The business the whole world turn against you. Your dog is for you. So what kind of dog, yeah? light dog. What kind of dog? Yeah? I've Rottweiler, I've Bull Mastiff, and I've Labrador. Yeah, big dogs. Big so, dogs. Yeah, I like big dogs. So on top of that, what's your spiritual center? You believe in God, you you Rastaman, you're Christian, you like, what's your spiritual center? I'm a very spiritual person because I believe that nothing that I'm, that I'm given, I think that everything is a favor. I think just to wake up and see a next day is a favor. Just for me to be here talking to you is a favor. 
look at my surrounding, just to be able to come down here so and make music is a favor. I do, and it is not. It's 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 um. I I don't say I deserve this favor, and I can't say I work for this favor. I just know it, I was blessed with this favor, so therefore I'm a very spiritual person, and thankful. So it's not about, but we not religious. I don't put we not like in segments of religions. Is that the place where your music comes from, and your involvement in music? First, my music comes from passion. Passion from I was from from a child growing up. I always like to, to go to sleep. They would have to play music for me. And my favorite toy, my mommy always sent me have pictures. I have as a record. So, our passion for music from ever since. But then the talent is the blessing. That's where spirituality comes in. When I think about my talent, because I'm not no better than anybody else. And mm. how did you get into music professionally? Like, what was the first thing you did? How did you start as Shane Brown that we know? Now? Well, I tell us, tell us secrets, which is not really a secret. You know, my family was in music from the 60s, right? I don't even know about that. I know your father. My grand... No, not my dad. Before my daddy time. Uh, yeah. My grandmother's brother. So that is my granduncle. Name is Duke Reed. Mm. Duke Reed had the first sound system in Jamaica and the first record label in Jamaica. Check your history. Uh, Down Bond Street. Oh, Treasure Island. Yeah, man, call Treasure Island. You can't show you enough. You can't show you right now. I can't show you Duke with OD. It's in the studio right there, so. So, that's where the, the whole family business started, right at Treasure Isles, Bond Street. Duke was a retired policeman with a lick of hardware, and he had, a, he had the studio upstairs. So, my, my daddy now, my grandmother, asked her brother to give her son a job at the studio after he finished Kingston Technical High School. And that's where my dad started as a as apprentice, as, as a studio engineer at Duke Reed's place, Treasure Isles. Then, of course, graduated to be an engineer, mixing all of those songs. He had a special relationship with Master Griffiths. And when Duke died, Master Griffiths was all, even before Duke died, she was always telling, telling my dad, say, Errol, his name is Errol Brown. Errol, Bob is always asking me who makes my songs, them stepping out of Babylon and all those songs. And when Duke died, I know, because he was a bad man police, you know, so nobody in trouble for him. Him don't close him liquor store, him don't close him still, everything is open. When he died, the rude boys them was coming in, and Master said, Errol, come and care to Hope Road, or they're going to kill you down here. And that's how my, in 1978, that's when my master took my father to Hope Road and he met Bob Marley. And from then until Bob died, he was Bob Marley's engineer. I, I um, was discouraged by my family to come into music. 
they always was my dad was always encouraging me to go to school, to school, to school, to school. And even when I thought I was out and finished university and everything, I couldn't get into music. And I had no experience of a studio. A lot of people think that I was in music from a long time because of whatever. But I used to play a sound system, a big sound system used to play. And um, Santana International, I want to tell you, I can't show you, trust it right now in the sound. Me, Everything in the studio. Me, right go it, show me, go fit. <laughs> can't show you, trust it, man. All right, all right, watch this. You turn on some, some more lights. Watch this. It's a cassette with Santana International. You see it? Now people don't know nothing about cassette. See that? And this, this is when Altan Black died. St. Mark attributed to Altan Black December 27, 1992. And my son in Marvali. And my panic super cat, Frankie Paul, Licker John, Robert Lee, Terry Gansey, Quen Shea, Tom Palayan, Major McQuill, all these people. For DJing on my sound. And this is just one of the many cassettes that I have with my sound. And the sound was really so, how the people used to start their careers back in the days, right? Well, I don't know about starting careers, but I just know that I had to be involved in music somehow. And um, my song linked with Paned, the late Paned. So writing my song was from Marvel. I grew up in Kingston 20. And we used to have a thing on the boulevard named Wembley, right? Where you don't even know Oasis Club, where's a gas station right now on the boulevard. We used to block the boulevard every Sunday. And we used to have a, a, a street dance right there. So but my song was like a clash sound. So one time I went to St. Mary and clashed at a sound named Blazer Force and some Riot broke out, and I remember I got a cut on my forehead right here, and I ended up ended up in the hospital. And my grandmother said to my father, "Errol, if you don't let your son go into the studio, you're gonna lose him because anyway, he can get into this music, he's gonna get in there." And that's how I ended up in the studio. Mm -hmm. You're right about passion. You're literally nearly dead, and <laughs> just in a breath. Well, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. So your father saved your life through your mother and bring you in studio. And when, when you get through, 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 through his mother, my grandmother. Oh, his mother. Oh, it's his mother. So, so when you get in studio now and you start to work with him, him being um, an experienced engineer, how was that relationship? Was it a, a rough father-son relationship or he was a real mentor to you and, and taking you on the now, let me be very honest with you now, you know. Yeah, man. I, I when was... I went to the studio, I went to, um, it was Tough Gang Studio, 220 Marcus Garbage Drive. That's where I am. Um, that's my first and only job with a company. First and only job. That was 1990. See, I tell you, this dance was December 27, 1992. It's 1993. I started at Tough Gang. And um, my dad wasn't there. I was touring with Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers at the time. So he was always on the road. So I was learning from a lot of different engineers. That's the truth. Um, the late Jeffrey Chung, Stephen Stanley, Bulby, Fata, Mikey Riley, 
all the engineers them I used to work with, and um, there's this producer named Clive Hunt that used to be at the studio too, and things. So I was there as an as a as an apprentice, and I want to tell you the truth. When I I have a picture when post on Instagram one of these days, I was just standing up over the board, and I, I tell you I don't even blink. Because I try to get in everything I could. I felt like I was in paradise. It was one of the, it was the happiest time of my life, just to be in the place. My father used to um, be back, back and forth off tour and thing, and then so I was, I was just, it was a lot of information, and I'm getting a lot of information from a, a few different um, engineers and thing, and it was just the greatest time of my life. And then there's a special person at Tufkan by the name of Chow. He's a person that, that Bob Marl himself brought from Asia. And he's a technical person at Tough Gang, he's re responsible for all of the maintenance of the studio. Told us had a liking for me and he was just teaching me everything. Right now I have perfect pitch as an engineer. So if, you, if I go like that, I can tell you which frequency I'm hearing. And that's because of Chow training my ears in the studio using what we call an oscillator. Oscillator is something that generates, generates tone and um, the tone have different frequencies that you can move with. So Chow used that and tuned my ears in the studio. He says he has never done it for an next person before in life up to this day. <laughs> so that's it, that is, and we're gonna talk about mm -hmm. your, your technical skills and your contribution, but let's, let's start from the beginning. What's, what was the first major project you worked on? And who was the artist or artists? <laughs> All right. Remember, I told you I was a, I was a, I was a apprentice now. So now I was apprentice time. Because apprentice, you're, you're just there, not really working on it. <laughs> Why stories? <laughs> Is it the first major song that I work on? Is a song by Richie Spice named Grooving. Grooving, my girl. <laughs> it's so funny, and that's why I'm laughing. Um, I recorded that song and everything, and I remember that song was done for Island Records, Chris Blackwell, produced by Clive Hunt. So I was there recording, and nobody was letting me mix any song. I wanted to mix, I can't, and nobody now let me mix. So I used to come early in the mornings and try to do my mixing. I don't like recording, so while I'm recording, and I remember it's analog days we're talking about, and I know Pro Tools days. When I'm recording, I'm always, the patch bay will be filled, like you're mixing, because I'm trying to entertain myself. I don't like recording, I'm trying to entertain myself and mix while I record, and then no one will give me opportunity to mix. You follow? So at the end of the session, Clive Hunt said to me, Shane, Run off a little balance of this song and like a FedEx it. Remember now in a no email time. Like a FedEx it to Chris Blackwell. And when you're saying a FedEx, it's just all good practice to have a safety copy in case the package gets lost. Yeah. So we have a copy in the studio. We send a copy to London to Chris Blackwell. A couple of days after Chris Blackwell, I'm there working with Clive again because Clive was, Clive does always work a tough gun. And to be honest, Tough is one of the best students in Jamaica to record, without a doubt, if not the best, yeah? 
um, the Clive is always there, talked and working. And days after, probably a week after, the phone rang. The receptionist sent a call to Clive. It's Chris Blackley. And Chris Blackley was saying, Clive, I love the mix. And Clive is saying, what mix, you know? And Chris Blackley is saying, the song, the Richard Spice song, I love the mix. And Clive said, what the song don't mix? The song don't mix. And Chris is saying, what do you mean? Chris said, no, man, I love the mix. It's just one problem. You didn't do a, a, a version, you know, on the record, you have the A side and the B side, the version, the instrumental. He said, you didn't do a version. He said, because the song isn't mixed. It's Errol Brown, little son, my ass just run off a balance so you could hear where I am. Chris Blackwell said, that is the mix. Yeah, so that was Richard, Richard Spice's first song, and that was my first song I mix, first hit wow. song I mix. Wow, wow. And so here it is, no? So Clive said, said to me, where's the, the, the safety copy of, the, of what you sent to Chris Blackhill? And I played it. And him eyes just like, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You know? <laughs> and, and from that, the rest is history. I'm just mixing away. Everybody respect everyone after that. No apprentice miss. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's just an accident, you know? As I tell you, sir, that's why I'm so... I believe in a higher power than us here. Because even with my life and how things just evolve, it's just like miracles, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree with you. And that's why I started out by asking you that, because I, I do believe creative people, no matter what you believe in, there, there's always a, an unknown quality if you do great stuff, you know? If you really want right. to tap into something bigger than yourself. But I listen to the creation rhythm and all the art, ah. and there's something about it that I'm connecting back to the Taurus album that just dropped, Healing. The, the same vibe, not, not the sounds, you know? But there's this ingredient, this crisp thing. I, I, I don't know the engineer hmm. term, <laughs> but there's a something. When I listened I to Taurus' album, yeah. I was exercising, I listened to it, and I said, oh, man, Taurus has an edge on this. There's something on this. And then I looked at the bottom of the album, and I said, jukebox. And I said, oh, I shouldn't do this album. There's something. And that's when I call you, you know, because I said, I want to go deep into the creativity process. <laughs> So what's your creativity process? How do you know when the mix good versus when it was like wow. touching? You know? <laughs> oh, you know that. You know, says so that's the first I do an interview like this, right? And I just clean, I don't have no filter though. Yeah, with, with my creative because I'm um I gonna tell you the next the next thing. It was no secret. I'm gonna tell you the next thing. You know that every time I mix a song, I am nervous. I've never gotten a song to mix. Like I'm mixing a song right now for a guy named Meta, Meta, African artist. And every time I'm going to mix a song, spirituality again, is like I'm so nervous and I'm just asking, like I pray that I don't mess up the people themselves. <laughs> That's the truth. So... That's where it all starts. When I get a song, it's like, Jesus, I hope I don't mess up this, these people's song. That's the first thing. Then, 
I thank God I'm in my own place right now. So therefore, I have created a sound in here. Um, and Taro's album is in the first album I'm mixing. I'm mixing here. I mixed um, a lot of songs of Butcher album in this studio. That's the first and, and main project. I went through the credits on Buja and I saw them. Yeah. Right. So the, the question is, how do I know about the perfect mix? <laughs> oh, I know the perfect mix when I can see through the mix. The mix is just so transparent. You know, so somebody criticized me mixing already and said, You, Shane, you're not a good dancer engineer and I can mix too clean. And I, I took it as a compliment because the mix has to be transparent for me. It's almost like crystal clear, like water. You can see through it where no, no one can remember the, the music is a lot of different instruments and nobody is fighting with nobody. Everything is just transparent and everybody in their own space. Oh, wow. That is the best way I can describe the perfect mix for me. Wow. And, and I did hear that. I've been listening to all the albums that have been coming out recently out of reggae. And some of them disappoint me. Some of them... But I don't know if it's the mix disappointment, but I listened to the Taurus album twice now. And the first, first listen was while exercising. I, I listened to it driving to work out and then I listened to it while working out. And there is, there is this edge. In addition to Taurus's voice being crispy, there's this edge and then a few of the songs are, are international in nature. Blessings and the one who and light up. That just, I can hear that on the top 40. Ear-wise, because I, I have a hear ear for that. Lighter, I must call lighter. I was well doing them. Done well. Look here. If it done well, it was such a talented person. Good, good. So that was the only that's the only song on the album that's mixed by somebody. I mixed eleven songs and done well mixed that song. Twelve and, songs. Um, twelve songs. So I mixed eleven. Oh, mixed oh. and produced. Mixed and produced eleven mm -hmm. with Tyrus and Dean. Mm -hmm. And Russian produced one song mixed by Donwell. So just wanted to put in that so we make it clear. What, in addition to what you just answered, I want to know if when you're mixing, you think charts, top 40 um, hits, or you think. You, you, see, what, you see, when I mix them, I will be honest as usual, and I don't want nobody to feel no way. So when I mix in, I more listen to hip hop and well, we're on R&B again. Them say that John and the gun, but I more listen to overseas music than local music. You know why? Not that no disrespect to local engineers, but our local music sometimes we don't get the right mastering. That's the truth. Sometimes we don't get the right mastering. So remember, there's a different process with mixing and mastering. It's like a spray a car. That is a mix, and then you buff it. That is the master. Oh. So therefore, I have to compare my mix to, to a lot of these, you know? Or if we have some, sometimes we have some, no lie going on, you have some local albums that are mastered good I can listen to, you know? So I'm not discrediting anybody and thing, but when I mix, I don't think about international or local, because I think, I just always think they try to lift the standard of our music. 
I don't think that when we put on our music and put on the next music from overseas, overseas, whatever you call it, international, I don't think that the quality should be different. So I remember say, I'm mixing for a lot of these so-called international artists too. So then why, if I'm gonna mix for them, and mix local, it shouldn't sound no different. So it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just my standard answer. It's not a matter of international or local. It's just, it's just the standard where I, I, I um, I want to go in and mix in. And I'm my biggest critic, to be honest. I'm my biggest critic because if you want to know the humblest part of Shane Brown, is when he's mixing something, a baby or somebody that don't know not but music can come and criticize me and I listen because I'm always wondering if this is the mix. And sometimes the layman can hear something and something is just disturbing him. He can't explain it, but he has something to say too. I remember you're making music for those people. So that is the humblest part of Shane as a person when it comes to my work. So as I said before, I don't think international or local. I just think about getting the best out of whatever I'm doing. And if I if I'm mixing something, I can't it can't sound like oh I want to sound. I'm not gonna mix it. All right, we we I saw where you did an interview and you said, yeah, I think it was like 2014. You said you wanted to develop jukebox into a, a full service outlet where you produce, manage, PR. Um, I don't remember what's other thing, but you wanted to. Never said PR. I know for sure. I never said PR. JR, watch it. PR. I never said PR. I never said PR. I think I think that is my least favorite and my weakest point. I can't tell you the truth. That's my weakest point in my company, and I want a full service company where I want to record, distribute music, mix manage an artist and artist development but pr and on my part I, that i'm not even interested i think so there's something you bring to the music right and you have been bringing it to other artists where you can you help artists to translate our culture into international songs you did it with busy signal you did it with taurus and ellie golding where you you designed that and lighter songs like one of that too, by the way. You say it's not you, but it's it lighter. No, it's Russian. No, it's Russian. But from I heard that track, yeah, I knew. So you say, yeah. I'm interested, as you know, the world music views, and I'm really interested in local music hitting the Hot 100 because we haven't had that. The, the last person to do that, a Popcorn did it um, last week, but it was at 94, I believe. You know, we're not yeah. top 10. We're not making an impact either on the 200 chart or the hot 100. Are you at any, any at all interested in taking, like used to happen before with Shaba, Cobra, all of these guys, Maxi Priest, Shaggy, Sean Paul, are you interested in seeing more artists hitting the hot 100 or the Billboard 200 charts in terms of sales and streams or any of the other charts, and how do you think you can help? Not just with Taurus, but but other other artists you produce for your, your, your engineer for. How do you think you can help them with your expertise? Well, as you know, we're Jamaican, and Jamaican people are ambitious people, you know. 
and one of my matters the sky is the limit. So so, so and, and I even want to change it now because it's just limitless, you know what I mean? Um so because we're so ambitious, that is it, the goal is always to reach the highest peak that the music can reach in life. That is always the goal. But so many, so many times, and all music is as good as, is as good as any music. We just want the opportunity and we want the ears. But are we ready? So many times, so many times we are not really ready for it, you know. That's tell it should. One, we're not ready for it because the quality is not there. Two, we're not ready for it some of the times because the artist them is not prepared. We don't have a lot of artists in Jamaica just raw talent, but nobody not groomed. They're not groomed. There's no artist development a lot of times in Jamaica. I used to work with Shaggy, and I don't know if you know that. No, I didn't know. I worked with Shaggy for 10 years, from 1996 to 2006. Yeah, man, I toured with Shaggy as its engineer from 1996 to 2006, 10 years. That was recently, yeah. And this one, this one I think that I admired about Robert Livingston, this artist development. Because it's very important. It don't make some sense, you You carry an artist to the highest peak and when he's there now, he can't represent himself. So I'm talking and nobody can understand him. He's, he's supposed to be doing three months of just promotion, no money at all, and he's wondering if somebody's robbing him. Um, he's supposed to get up at, at 10 a.m. for an interview, and he was drunk from the night before. So it's, it's a lot of things, variables that come together for international success. And um, it's not the artist's fault at all the time, you know but because we don't practice a lot of artist development. So many times, the artists in Jamaica, they are blindsided by the hype of Jamaica. And because and the success just come overnight and nobody can talk to them too. Or what? A lot of times, yeah, a lot of times, that's also because the artists them, have them bridging and manage them and not really manage, it's just a, a man to answer to JR who want sure, whatever. You know what I mean? So a lot of times, we're not prepared. Yeah? And you can check it, you know, and check the people that are successful. It's always the more prepared artists who are humble within themselves, have a good team around them that can take on an opportunity. I mean, when I was even managing Business Signal, and when I started managing busy, busy was just rough, 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 and just, just raw talent. And the first time busy going in a suit and dress up is the first time I managed to put on some face. I'm saying, busy, let me put on a suit and let people say they can look different. Yeah? One of the good, good things about Taros now, even when I just started managing Taros, I'm saying, singer, you, as, as the Taras that I know, because I know Taras before we even sing a song. The Taras I know is very vibrant and, and um, you know, he's a fashion guru. He's, you know? Yeah. So therefore, me as a singer, look here. 
this militancy and this epaulet and whatever. <laughs> Just be yourself, my brother. Yeah. Because we, we, we can't sell that all day, all night. And in buying and now. Tyrus never buy car. That is industry. All industry. What? That is him naturally. That's Tyrus naturally. Tyrus is about fashion. Tyrus is a young person, much younger than I am. Yeah. yeah. So, so I am blessed to know that the artist before he listens. Tyrus now is so easy to work with as far as that. He's just always ready. But it is always our aim to get to the top of the stream, you know. A lot of times we don't have the outlet to, we don't have the, the distribution to, to reach there, so. Um, it's, just, it's just a thing where why it's a trial where we have to and we have to just continue and try. Why do you think in this time, right, when so-called distribution is worldwide with a click of a button, right? And I understand the, the levels of it and how big labels control it, right? Why do you think reggae music in particular? Last year, the music business made, I think, $43 billion. Reggae contributed 1% of, of global music consumption. And you know that you have the, the, the other bands from Hawaii and all these bands who, who add up that too. Why do you think we're not selling and contributing to that pool enough, even though we have good artists like the... the the Sean Pauls, who Sean Pauls sell a lot of records. We have the Taurus, we have the Bujo, we have all these people. Why do you think reggae is only contributing 1% global music consumption? And most of this money is made from the masters, by the way, the, the 43 billion. That's not, that's not um, on the, the performance music side. Why do you think that's happening? Well, I'm going to tell you something, though. Is it all one percent are we contributing? We have to give thanks to that, you know, you know, because you know, Jamaica does a little that on the world still. But we have a big heart. So if we're gonna run, we're gonna we're gonna have the fastest man. If we're gonna whatever we do, we try to do our best. Jamaicans always leave an imprint. So we have to remember so we're just a little that still, but we have a big music, reggae music, yeah. Now we don't have a lot of signed major artists to major label, major, uh, signed artists to major labels here in Jamaica. That's the truth. And uh, we don't have the outlets that a lot of other artists are enjoying. You know? And, and that is why I like to see new talents coming out and, and, and um, we're trying to reinvent, not reinvent the music, but just have new sounds and whatever and thing. But it's outlet and distribution at the end of the day. That is the problem. And we don't get a lot of opportunities. And, and it might sound a way, but some of our forefathers also messed us up some of these opportunities because some of them get opportunity. And as I say, when they get up to do the interview, them go cause a bad word or whatever, or them just don't turn up or whatever it is. And I'm blaming them because remember, so we're enjoying the, the road. Right now we're driving on the highway with them paved. You know what I mean? Still have a few potholes and things, but we have to just be honest with ourselves. But it's the outlet and the opportunity that we are lacking. 
that's the truth. And, and, you, and you know, our music is sampled all over. And if, if we locally sing it and sample, both gone most of the time. But it's outlet and opportunities. And I remember say, a lot of these major record companies, they already have a share of the market that is guaranteed to them, you know. They, they, they already have, have spots on the major radio stations that they hold for themselves. So outlet is one of the problems. I'm not saying that we are, we are not part of the problem, you know, but that is a major problem, outlets. Have you been paying attention to the K-pop um, wave that's coming across? In, in No, I've not. Tell me about it. Junior Gong, I, I had an interview with him, and he said he believes the way, I asked him the same question I just asked you, and he said he believes the way Jamaica and reggae music can get into mainstream and, and pop consistently is to study K-pop because one of the things they do is they develop artists, as you said, for like 10 years. And before we, before we even see them, before we know about them, that these guys are studying. They're, they don't speak English, but by the time we see them, they speak English. By the time we see them, they're well-dressed. By the time we see them, they have a hit song. And we, we're like, oh, they just come. But they've been in an incubator for 10 years developing themselves and then yeah. you know they're there and he's saying we have the culture we have the cultural capital where you can you know turn out artists because you have a lot of artists but i want to touch on k-pop plus master's ownership do you think i know most artists in jamaica don't own the masters i know that but and it's why is that because I know, I know for a fact, I know who owns the masters. Um, yeah? <laughs> yeah, and, and when I, because I sample music, I sample music a lot. As you know, I sample music from you. I paid you because you owe Right, I own a master. <laughs> yeah. So I, do, I do commercials and I sample music. And a lot of times, the person who I'm paying for the master is not the artist. Do you think master's ownership is a way to also claim a piece of that pie, since our music is being sampled and sync, sync licensing all over the world. And with that capital, you think it can help? And should artists focus on owning masters more than just say, hey, may I go record at you? But check this now, JR, if you want us to be honest again. The artists are not the producers. So the artists don't own the master. Because the people that own a master are the ones that invest and go produce a record. So if I have a rhythm, so to speak, and you're an artist, JR, and I say, JR, I want a voice on my rhythm. I write your song and come here. Your voice will track for me, the producer. So I own my master. So it's really, so it's the, the ownership of the masters. It's not the artist's fault. You have, you have other artists, though. Like you have a like you have a vibes card where always determined that you want one piece of him master. You know what I mean? But remember it's a business, you know. So if I'm signed to Universal and Universal has a work for hire contract with me, like I've produced for Universal before, then I don't own that master because Universal hired me to produce something for them. It's almost like say you are hiring me to make a house. 
you're giving me the money and I'm building this house. It's not my house. So we have to, we have to know exactly how the business go. Because you have an executive producer, you know, that is spending the money. So you, I'm, so JR, you come to me, Shane Brown, to produce a song, a Taurus Riley song for you. And you are the executive producer and you are hiring me and paying Taurus to, to produce a song. Then JR is you own the master. It's not me own the master. I'm the producer. But I don't want to stray from your question. I'm just trying to make it clear why sometimes not, it's not the artist's fault when you talk about the ownership of the master. It's like even a, a great man like Bounty Killer that voiced a lot of songs for jammings and you've got sample Bounty Killer seller, seller for now. Is jammings on the master, but unless him, him sell the master to somebody else or license the master to somebody. So it's not the artist's fault, you know what I mean? Now, licensing of masters has a lot to do with your publishing as well and a lot of these opportunities are are come from publishing houses because believe it or not it's a whole conglomerate of people so they might force me shane to say shane come on sign with universal and i'm looking at it and say okay one universal is gonna give me a big advance two Universal is gonna, the advice that Universal give me, they're gonna wanna work my masters to get back their money. Plus, depending on the deal, if it's an 80, 20, or 50, 50, whatever it is, they want to be earning from my master. So once again, Universal have a share of the music, of the movie business. So they're gonna make sure I get some sync licensing, making our songs in movies and whatever and thing. So, what you're asking me about the masters and if that if that's a problem no not a, it's pro a problem artists it's not a problem own more but it's a, it's a way to if if the artists have the right publishing setup then the publisher gonna work the thing forget the opportunities for the artists and 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 next thing about our Jamaican culture, <laughs> we don't like signing on. We like to collect the money, but we don't like to sign. We don't like commitments. Or we sign, Jamaican sign, and forget to them sign. <laughs> a lot of us too, before we get, a lot of us before we're, we're, we're educated about the music business and because we're so eager for boss and we're not patient, we sign before we read. So that comes with the ultimate artist development again and artist management again. So it you know, makes sense. Me go look for my brother for come manage me. And my brother really and truly don't know nothing about the business because when you imagine an artist is a partnership, you know. So therefore, the partnership, as you know, a partner is work hand in hand. So if I don't have none to offer, it's not a true partnership. So yeah, man, owning your masters and getting your masters in the right places have a lot to do with opportunities. My, my last question is this. Yesterday, five albums dropped, um, five good albums. Uh, I feel them even great. Toots, 
protege Taurus, um, Skip Marley. Toast him, I dropped yesterday in the GR, man. Yesterday, yesterday Toast Trap? Yeah, yesterday, as far as I say, yesterday I said. <clears throat> and, 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 okay. Almost sure, almost sure I saw yesterday. Or I saw a news article about yesterday. And Kez mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. Trinidad or Barbados? Trinidad. Trinidad. Um, what's your impression on the state of Caribbean music in this time? What do you think about Caribbean music? Now? Wow. Including Jamaica music. Well, what I think about Caribbean music, well, I'm a Caribbean person, so you know, I love the Caribbean music. But as I was saying earlier, we want more opportunity, we want more ears, man. We want more ears. And we want, we want people to want to he hear us. So therefore, we need to sell ourselves, not sell ourselves cheap or prostitute or brand or culture, but we want to make ourselves marketable. That's what I mean by sell ourselves. So I think Caribbean music is as good as any other music because most of the music comes from Caribbean music. So therefore, we're as good as any other music. So, but we want to make ourselves more marketable. That's the truth. We want to make ourselves more marketable. Even look at music like soca music. Soca music must be all-year music. You know, it must be a seasonal music. And when we say marketable, that was one of that's one of the things. You know, it was Sean Paul Shaggy. You know, people are successful. You see the thing what them call the hook, which is the chorus of a song. We need to can understand what it's saying, and people can sing along. That's why I call a hook. You know, when a fisherman throw a hook in the sea, they want the fish hook up on it. So the same thing. That's why they call it the chorus, the hook. So we want to make a music more marketable, and where people can understand. Even if they don't understand the verse, can we ever bring a culture to the world? You have to make sure the hook, the chorus, people can sing it. Bam, bam. Ah, it never said nothing. But just the melody is so catchy. Same thing, as I tell you, used to work with Shaggy. Honey came in and they called me that and they sleeping on the bathroom floor. It wasn't me. You understand? But most of the people don't understand what Shaggy said in the verse. Same with Sean too. But you have to be more marketable. So people, if the people can't understand, I can't catch on, hold on to nothing that you're singing. Oh, then what you're singing to? Then you have, yeah, and then the next thing about it, look at it now. The world is such a smaller place because we can't use my phone right now and we can't check out what's going on in the world. But yet still a lot of Caribbean people, them too caught up in them home country. I'm going to start righteous at Jamaica first. Because... In Jamaica, I don't know if it's something, but we're the, as I tell you, we're the hypest people. We dress the best, the fastest, or like could island just make an impression. But guess what? In a make sense, we just hot a yard and nobody don't know we're abroad. We have to be ambitious to know, say, right now, when we're going to the studio to make a song, we just not making a song for Jamaica, but making a song so just for the world. But some people satisfied with us being hot in Jamaica knows that they might run Jamaica alone. You know what I mean? I cannot work. It can't work, me I tell my brother. It don't make sense. We even hear us as Jamaican. You talk about international sound. 
what the people them look from Jamaica is a Jamaican sound. What is international sound? International sound is just a song will break international. When you listen to a song, a rhythm like dual rhythm, not dancehall music, that brother. But it's just break international, and the international sound is what you put on it. So therefore, we have a bridge gap between our culture and the world. So the world needs to understand and even lift a part of what we're saying. And those are the songs that, that are making the rounds on the charts. So we have to give ourselves an opportunity. We can't just say, boy, we want all the ears, and we not try embrace the ears them. We just say, well, wah, 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 but what are, what are we doing to get them? You know what I mean? So that's one of the things I think as Caribbean people, we need to, to know our direction and we know where we're going. Every time, so you don't know it go. We're a clash culture, for example. So they don't know, sometimes we're gonna make some music or just know, say, yo, we're just born down the road of Jamaica with it. But yet still, we can't base our careers on Jamaica alone. So we have to balance the scale. That is why you see, one of my strategy is to always try to link with an international producer. I'm a producer, but I don't need to produce everything. You know, so that same, the same Taurus album here, I did produce a song with Taurus and Shensia. Yeah. And when we hear the Russian song, we said, no, sir. I hate this. <laughs> I this song. My, you understand? You have to be honest with yourself. When we hear the Russian, we have to say, I this this song. Just like when um, we call on Diplo, as you know, I do call on Diplo now, every now and then. I call on Diplo for a reason. We call him for a reason for us transcend boundaries. So we have to make more collaborative efforts with, with people too. A lot of times we here in Jamaica, we think so we're the hottest thing. So therefore, a man coming to Jamaica and we never pay him, pay him, pay him no mind. I tell you a story again about Diplo. This is how me and Diplo got so, so close. I know Diplo before him boss, you know, and Diplo came to Jamaica. Nothing, him not have nothing. And you know, Diplo said, Boy Shane, there's a man named Vibes Cartler. I would just love him to, even though he did just say a song, I just want him to talk some things over my, my rhythm. I'm going to cartel, and of course, over Havendale and thing. And that's the thing about Addy. Addy is a man, he my vision, you know, he's the truth. That's why he's one of my favorite artists, he my vision. Because Addy said, how much money I have? Because it's business. And Diplo said, if not, not, he must have $500. I, I didn't ever think about the money where Diplo have after. Him just him listen to the track first. And I'm listening to the track. He must say, but wait. Them music cannot come across my side. Yeah. And the rest is history. So, so my time, we're too caught up in my own self. Even I am to be blamed too, because even me, I tell you, myself quarantine. So me, so even me, me locked down, probably too locked up in my studio too much too. So we're too isolated sometimes. And everybody have their own camp. And those things say, bam, 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 bam. So I'll take some of the blame too. Got myself quarantined. I probably need to get out. <laughs> you know? So that's the thing about it. Hmm? 
as a get out when Corona does. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Blessings. But one thing I can tell you about Shane Brown, though, no matter how self quarantine I am, I'm not in here mixing my own music all the time. Right now, I just finished mixing stuff with Omar Banks. Him come from Anguilla or somewhere like that. I told you, say, we just mix a performance with Toots. You see me mix Buju thing. Um, right now, I mix Meta thing. So, me, me trying to, you yeah, know what I mean? A, a lot of different sounds coming here. Yeah. I love that. And I, I do hear that kind of intelligence on the Taurus album where it's not dated. The Taurus have classics, you know. But and I, I, I talked to him and I even said to him, say, yo, when they drop the music, you have to let it go in a car. Them youth and nowadays, you, you, them not really, I follow you up, you know. But when I heard the album, I still believe him for just let it go, make it do what it do. But, but still, it have such a relevance in this time where it, it's another classic album. The song, Blessings, are you going to make it a single? <laughs> 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 that song, you look here, would you, i tell you something about that song. You know that song is Conscience's favorite song, though, on the yeah. album. Mine, too. It's on the show. Yeah, like I tell you. <laughs> but Blessing. That song named Blessing is one of my favorite songs on the album, too, you know. And that have to be a single. Because it's such a powerful song. And the world needs it right now. I, I agree. A line, you know, so there's a line in that song that I, I just will never forget. Your faith has to be stronger than your fears. And you see, every man, woman and child should live by that line. Trust me. Trust me. Because I mean, it's a life of a way where it just treat, treat you like a punching bag more time. But we have to know, say, a next line, God never put you through more than we can angle. Yeah. 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 So so there's a line in the song say, God never put me through something he can't see us through. Yeah? It's intelligent lyrics, you know. Yeah. Man. So that have to be a single to answer your question. World exclusive blessings will be. The next single of the album. No, I'm not the next single. Don't, don't, don't misquote me. I say it's definitely going to be a single of the album. And I tell you, it's the next single. But it's definitely going to be a single. You know, so what's the good thing about an album, which is a body of work? <laughs> wow. Working with Shaggy again. I remember when the Hot Shot album dropped. We know, nobody never picked was me. I know. I know. Nobody never picked was me. Everybody know that story. Shaggy said it all the time. So that's a good thing about putting out an album. The album is there. It's just the, it's the, it's the, the streamers, the radio people. It's weird for just pick with song them too. Yeah. Because every song is a single. But I understand what I mean by a focus track. And it's definitely going to be one of our focus tracks soon. It's solid. Because it's a, it's a very powerful song. It, it, it's a gospel. It's a powerful it, song, man. Trust me. It's a spiritual song. Rastaman singing music will touch everybody's spirit. Rastaman, everybody, it crosses every religion, religious boundary. Every religion. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm really, oh, you know, I'm really, really proud of that album, though, you know. You I should. I swear, I'm so should. proud of that album. 
Bridget, listen One thing that I'm so proud about it too, the entire album was done right here, so. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you never know. In your pretty light studio. I've never been to your studio in a bus. I hope to come one day. Remember, my studio is my house, you know, so therefore, I can get a tour. Yeah, man. I can yeah, get like a tour like this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like, say, it's not a public studio. Nice, boy. Nice. Yeah, see that? You see what I'm going? Shaggy, hot shaggy. Yeah, man, you don't know. See, I tell about Duke Reed. Yeah. Yeah, see, me tell about the history. So, Duke Reed is an uh, OD writer. Yeah? Regin, your hereditary is clear. You deserve all the success that come mm. and will come to you. My father owned Bob Marley legend. Man. Yeah? So, yeah, man. So, the student there is just at a public space, but may I have a public? May I have family? Yeah, man. Thank you so much. This was a real informative interview. And I'm happy that we had this talk. And I really hope Taurus drop blessings as a single. I hope he drop more albums though, because this is his first album in six years. I've heard other music, other albums, matter of fact, and, and he record this totally in COVID time, which it, it just feels the spirit at the time. It mm -hmm. a lot of people. I said it to him. I haven't bought an album in years, and I bought this album. I usually stream it. And I bought the album. I paid thank the, you. The nine. Come on, thank you, man. Album and buy it because I need it. It's a buy. So thank you very much, Brent. Yeah. Pick up yourself. This yeah, is man, thank you. podcast. Shane Brown. Pick up. <laughs> All right. Respect, but and thank you for your time. Can you hear? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hey, come on. All right. All right. According to Bloomberg, a new study finds millennials are the biggest audio generation, listening to more content than all others. More types, more times. But did you know that people who listen to podcasts are 50% smarter than everyone else? Turn off the radio. Listen to podcasts, the top form podcast by me. Jera Watkiss, available on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple, and everywhere you listen to podcasts.